You're listening to Our Two Cents with the team from SGL Financial, building wealth for life. Steve Lewitt is the president of SGL Financial and Gabriel Lewitt is the CEO. They're here to discuss all the latest in financial news, trends, strategies, and more. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Our Two Cents. This is Gabriel Lewitt and Stephen Lewitt joining you from our studio, a.k.a. conference room here in Buffalo Grove. That is a very uh, enthusiastic greeting, Gabriel. Uh, Was that serious? Yeah, no, I really mean it, especially because I know you're under the weather a little bit. Just the tiniest bit. I I expected like, good morning, everybody, but it was very enthusiastic. Heck no, I'm excited. Yeah, no, Yeah. good job. Well, thank you, and I hope you all are doing great out there. And I've, I think we've got assembled here a good collection of topics here for you today to entertain, thrill, and entice. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay then. Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> so might as well jump right in, right? Yeah, let's jump. <laughs> All right. So today I've got a collection of uh, quick hit updates for you. It's interesting. Sometimes as I'm working to assemble articles and, and content topics and ideas for the show, I get some nitty grittier items, and sometimes I just get a collection of, I think, quick but important updates. And so I've got a few of those for you here today to kick things off, starting with, which some of you might have heard, maybe some of you haven't, they have announced what the Social Security COLA is for next year. And drum roll, which you can't hear on the table as I'm drum rolling. Excellent drum roll. Steve, do you want to give the magic number? There's a drum roll, 8.7%. Now, there had been some rumblings of a high COLA for next year. Some people had thought it might have been as high as 10%. Others were saying as as low as 8%. Turns out it is 8.7%. Pretty good, folks. Uh, Us folks over 60, uh, full retirement age, I should put it, (laughs) are getting wealthier by the minute. Although inflation is at the same is, is amount. taking away your wealth by the minute. <laughs> by the minute, right. So let's do some quick math here for you. If your benefit, let's just say, is, uh, is $3,000 a month times uh, 0.087, you would get an increase of $261 per month. Yeah, which is nice. I mean, it's yeah. good. It, you know, based on the cost of uh, food today and gas and everything creeping up. Uh, I'm very thankful for that. Yes. And if you get $2,000 a month, you'd get an increase of $174 right. per month. Right. Yep. So, so you know, interesting. It's also one of the um, the first years, it's not in this article that I just remembered it off the top of my head. So if you're looking for it, uh, you may not see it in there as we're referencing some key data points. Uh, the costs that they're projecting for Medicare Part B is actually scheduled to go down a little bit next year. Which is totally surprising because it normally goes up and erases a good portion <laughs> well, of the you know, inflation. It normally goes up 10 bucks a year. You know, yeah. it's not, If you get 174 or 274 more dollars from Social Security, you pay an extra 10 for your uh, Medicare Part B, not the end of the world. In this case, so you're getting a boost to your Social Security COLA and also getting a slight, I think it was like $8 uh, for your Medicare Part B. So, Gabriel, if you Bumps across the board. Yeah, it does. So, so if you're waiting till 70, does, do you get the inflation? Yeah. So, sometimes people who are not currently on Social Security ask the, I think, admittedly, 
a good question. Well, well so I, I look online wait, on my statement and wait I... A s- se- wait a second. I just asked that question, not people. Not I, I asked... Well, the, you asked it rhetorically because you know the answer. <laughs> I do. So I'm referencing actual people You're that right, have the question. Actual people. <laughs> the, the real... No, real no. I, I mean, people that have the actual question. Folks, now I'm not an actual person anymore. Uh, <laughs> Any who's. Yes. Well, so yes, if you are looking on your online benefit projections, and let's say it says you are going to get two thousand uh, dollars a month when you turn sixty-seven, yes, over time that does get adjusted by the cost of living adjustments as well. And so it's not like because you haven't claimed your benefit yet that you lose the Coca-Cola adjustments; those get factored in, and you'll ultimately get a higher benefit in six, seven, eight, whatever number of years you've got left before you claim. So you don't go backwards. You're exactly in the same place that you would have been had you taken your Social Security earlier as far as it comes to inflation. Right. It's not like it's a penalty that you get by not qualifying and, and claiming earlier. Yeah, correct. So anyway, anyway uh, blah, blah, blah. see, I told you. I there you go. <laughs> can't string my sentences here together today. Was, it, was that a technical word? <laughs> that was a very technical term. Yes. So, of course, there's um, some good news there on the COLA front. And uh, if you have any questions, of course, how that might impact you, give us a call and we can guide you through that one. So that's our first quick hit for today. Uh, our second quick hit for today is also some updated numbers on how much you can contribute to your 401k here in 2023 coming up next year. And so the IRS has come out with their new brackets, or not brackets, I should say, but the mounts. I'm thinking about the brackets because I'm going to talk to talk to you about those in just a second as well. Brackets are coming. Uh, so this last year, you could have contributed up to $20,500 in your 401k, not counting the catch-up provision. And now this year, coming up in 2023, you'll be able to contribute up to 22500 in your 401k, 403b, and most 457 or TSP plans. Yeah. Now, give the good news about if you're 50 and older, you can do the catch-up, which means you can put a total of... Well, so again, the catch-up itself is risen to 7500 mm-hmm. up from uh, 6500 apologies. And so now a total of 7500 plus 22 thousand five hundred means you can contribute up to thirty thousand dollars per year and get that deducted from your taxes if you do a pre-tax contribution if you're age 50 or older and make a thirty thousand dollar contribution to your 401k so now gabriel so we're recommending a lot of roth conversions and putting money into the roth so uh, i know this is a little bit of an aside but do you take the deduction on 30 grand or do you pay the taxes take the match and put it into a roth it's very person-dependent, of course. It depends on how much income you have and what bracket that you're in. And if you're above a you know, 24% tax bracket, you'll, you'll probably choose to do the pre-tax, most likely. If you're below that, you'll probably want to do, if you have the option, the Roth. That's a, that's a rough rule of thumb. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to put you on the spot like that. It is very individual, but I guess the point I was trying to make is that's something that should be thought about before you just say, wow, I can take a $30,000 deduction and just take it. Right. Well, and the other thing that's interesting here is, you know, you've got you've to hope that your company also gives you a, a reasonable, you know, COLA as well for your earnings. So some people are saying, hey, I've got hit by inflation. That's great. The extra boost here of how much I can save is nice, but I, I feel like I'm losing money because of inflation. So where, where am I going to get the extra money to save anyways? 
right? Exactly. So it's kind of a double-edged sword when you think of it from that perspective. But for certain people out there that have uh, sufficient income, uh, this gives them some additional opportunities. Or if you do, you know, you're looking to try to catch up for your retirement savings, this gives you some additional opportunities that didn't exist before. And it's also not limited just to your 401k. If you uh, contribute instead to Roth IRAs or IRAs, you get an additional boost as well of uh, $500. So 6000 was the prior year contribution limit. 7000 if you had an additional $1,000 catch-up for being over age 50. So the catch-up is the same for your IRAs and Roth IRAs, but the, uh, the overall boost was $500. So you can now contribute 6500 or 7500 depending on your age. Yes, and I'll add on to that that the income limit of before you can contribute to a Roth was uh, 144. In other words, if you were above 144,000, you couldn't make that contribution. And now that has gone up to 153,000. Yes. Now this is good, right? If you if you were prior to this, you know, that's let's single, say your that's in- single by the way. Yeah, let's say your income didn't increase much. Your company hasn't given you a bigger raise or or cost of living adjustment yet, uh, and you prior to this were not able to contribute. Maybe you were right on that border. You weren't able to, to contribute to a Roth IRA. This bump in the income eligibility is a good thing. Exactly, it could open up that door for you. By the way, folks, it's uh, two hundred and twenty-eight thousand if you are married jointly, up from two hundred and fourteen thousand. Mm-hmm. And we do have clients that are right on that borderline. We you do. Know, they're just we do. so this is going to help. So yeah, it's a good thing. It'll open up that door for the Roth IRA contribution. So lots of numbers to fly around here today for you. Hope you had your notepad handy because I've got more for you. A couple other quick hits, and I'm telling oh. you, this was like the week of quick hit updates oh, I on can't, a number oh, of things. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I yeah, know I'm what sure, you're, I'm sure I, you, but I know what you're going to talk about next. Well, I'm not going to spend too much time on this one because it's, it's the least fun of the the, the three or four. It's actually boring. Yeah. So there's some uh, tax bracket changes. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty on those. If you'd like to know what they are, let me know. But the big thing is the standard deductions when you file for your taxes in 2023 for the calendar year 2023. Uh, that's going to rise up eighteen hundred dollars from 2022. So it's now up to twenty seven thousand seven hundred for your standard deduction if you're married filing jointly. And for single, it's up uh, $900 to 13850 Which is really important because, you know, up until the tax change, uh, the standard deduction, a lot of people itemize. But with the rise in the standard deduction, itemization has gone away for a lot of people. So getting an extra $1,800 great deal. Yeah, it's a, that's also a good deal. And then again, the income brackets themselves, I'm not going to get into the specific numbers, but they have all been adjusted upwards for inflation, which again means more of your income. If your income has remained unchanged, but the brackets have adjusted upwards for inflation, that means more of your income will be taxed at a lower bracket. Exactly. I, I, yeah, I'm just thinking that I just said taxes are a good. How can you have a good deal in taxes? It's like it's a better deal better. than it was. Yeah. Than it was, <laughs> but it's not a good. Folks, that's your government hard at work taking money out of your pocket and teaching you how to put some back. I guess in some way that's positive. Well, look. I mean, I'm not going to get too deep into it, but you've got to obviously have some level of taxes that are paid in this world, or definitely, or, or it'd be chaos because nobody would have any services and goods. But you know, certainly, if there are some ways to take advantage of it and uh, put some advantage in your favor, uh, they do make those 
strategies available for a reason. Uh, so take advantage of them while they're there is the way I look at it. Well, the, what I was going to say, Gabriel, was take, when you said take advantage of, I said, man, that's what we do. You know, <laughs> uh, I don't want to give any money extra to our U.S. government than I have to. Sure. Of course. Well, last but not least, there's also some new updated data that came out on college costs. Now, some of you out there, this might be well in the rearview mirror. Uh, for others out there, this might be coming right up on the horizon for you. And for others, yet again, some of my younger clients, this might be good information for you as you plan ahead uh, for savings amounts for your kids or maybe even for your grandkids if you're helping save for your grandkiddos. So there's some new data here, interestingly, on the costs of uh, public and private colleges. A four-year uh, public college tuition is, as of 2021 through 2022, averaging $10,740 for state residents per year, and then $27,560 for out-of-state residents. Now, that's just an average, of course. There are much higher. There are much lower. Uh, but 27560 times four... Let's see if you're going to a four-year college. Let me pull up my calculator here for you. Would be a total of 27560 times four, $110,240. Mm -hmm. And if you have, say, three kids times three, uh, 330720 It's a good chunk of change. Yeah, I think you're thinking of yourself and three kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I got to fast forward about 14 years. 14 years, you can triple that. Yeah, yeah. So what's also interesting is the cost of tuition. Everybody thinks that they're always skyrocketing. Well, actually, year over year, uh, the public and state tuition costs have actually come down a little bit here. So I've got a great article. If you're interested in all these college statistics, the one that I have here I can share with you has a ton of great data and figures state by state, year over year. Uh, so you'll see in Illinois, the average cost uh, year over year last year uh, declined by 2.3% for uh, public college tuition. Yeah, I haven't seen that kind of a number in a long time. And having just your brother just started college uh, at Purdue, and that is kind of a private state school. So we're paying out of pocket. Well, I'm sorry, we're paying out of state uh, fees for that because it is a state school. So, um, the, uh, you know, so I've got my eye on costs uh, pretty closely, but I, I, I have to check to see if they came down or didn't come down. Why is my phone talking to me? I don't know, but uh, you should turn that off, Mr. Lewitt. Yeah, well, it was off. There's it, kind of a rule when you start a podcast, you're yeah, supposed to turn yeah, off your phone. It's, it's off. My phone <laughs> decided that, what, what's the name of the person on my phone? Uh, I have no idea because you don't have an iPhone. Right. <laughs> if if I, you had an iPhone, it'd be Siri, but well, you do are, not. Androids are much more interesting. Well, and also there's been some changes in student aid, uh, typical average costs, uh, room and board costs. I've got all these data and figures here. I didn't want to get too sucked into the weeds of this one either, yeah. just because there's uh, a lot of data contained therein. But again, if you have questions on this and you're thinking about your planning, these are good data figures to have because they help you get a sense of how much you need to save up for and be prepared for so you're not uh, totally totally surprised by sticker shock. You know, we should do a podcast, Gabriel, on college costs, on how to get financial aid, and if you're a grandparent, how to get money to your grandkids, you know, for college costs, what are the best ways of doing that? Certainly could. Producer Katie, I see you jotting down some notes, so maybe that'll be something that we'll keep an eye on for upcoming episodes. Yep. Thank you, but, Katie. But, uh, folks, those are our quick hits. 
So quite the array of numbers for us here this morning, but mostly pretty good news actually going across the board. Absolutely. Higher deductions, uh, higher contribution limits, Mm -hmm. uh, cheaper college costs, uh, so higher colas. So all in said and done, at least there's some positive things here to to kind of tuck into the back of your head. Absolutely. I feel very positive, even more positive than your opening enthusiasm. (laughs) Well, great. I'm glad to hear that. Well, speaking of uh, me feeling a tiny bit under the weather, I've got to (laughs) take a a two-second break here to to, uh, blow my nose. (laughs) And so I'm going to let you do the transition that you always love to do into our next topic. Wait, wait. Don't blow your nose yet. (laughs) Uh, what is our next topic? Uh, we were going to talk about uh, how to how to spot warning signals, kind of like your car, you know, for possible problems in your uh, financial wait, wait, life. Wait, wait, don't go! I have to find this darn thing. Okay, here, wait, I, I, folks. I, I put the cliff notes together I'm looking for Steve. For, and he I'm lost looking them. for your notes. Uh, he, he let me see. Here. No, that's not it. Go ahead, blow your nose while I'm well, searching. No, I, I'm waiting no, for you to. No, that's not it. Uh, warning signal. Uh, here it is with your big writing on it, warning signals. Yes, I exactly. Okay. Okay. All right. You got this? Uh, I Can I take a two-second Take a two-second break. Se- two break. Folks, you'll miss me. You're, I'm going to leave you in Steve's great hands here for about 10 seconds. Folks, our next great topic today to keep your interest and keep you listening is... Uh, you know, when something goes wrong with your car, what happens on the dashboard? You have flashing lights and little signals or beep beeps and stuff like that. Well, is it possible that retirement gives you the same kind of warning signals? So what Gabriel has done here is he has creatively put together different warning signals that are like dashboard lights for us to consider and for you to enjoy. How did I do? I'm back. <laughs> Good, thank you. <laughs> you did, did great. How did I do? Did I, I could hear all? you because I had you in my headphones okay, here. But I, I did stepped okay. away from the mic. Yeah, I, you, that, you, that was terrific. Folks, just I said, give that an A+. Plus. Okay, so you think we should alternate now on, on transition? No, okay. You wish. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, with that, that terrific introduction there. Yeah, what are some of those warning signs? Obviously, in your car, you've got your dashboard light. tells you, I, I will actually admit I've got one on my car right now. Which is my a low a low tire air indicator? You've actually had that on your car for a month. <laughs> we won't go. There. Well, I know that it's only thir- it tells me it's it's thirty four psi, and I get or thirty three, and it's supposed to be thirty five, so it hits the warning light, but it's not bad enough to really worry that much about. So, I keep an eye on it. Anywho, it is a warning indicator that I should pay more attention to, which I am. But the idea is in your personal life and your finances and your retirement planning, there are possibly warning indicators as well. One of the ones that comes to mind is, uh, I think it's a very simple one that's uh, probably applicable to a lot of people, is if you start to see your credit card balances building more consistently than they're going downwards or being eliminated back to zero more consistently. Why is that a warning sign, Mr. Liu? Well, first of all, credit... Credit is very expensive. Debt is expensive and getting more expensive. And then how does that fit into your budget? Because, you know, when you have to debt, when you have debt, you have to pay it back. The day comes when you got to pay the bill. Well, I think, you know, we're, we all sometimes have unexpected expenses that, that pop up. Big things, right? And so if you start looking at your debt over more of a, like a macro trend over three, four months instead of, you know, one month or one week at a time, if you see that balance creeping up, what that's telling you is that you're putting more onto it than you're taking off, and that's probably a sign that your budget is stretched either very thin 
or that you're spending more depending on what you're spending on than you're bringing in. And and that's a, a trouble indicator, Absolutely. right, if that were to continue. Well, look, we have uh, holiday season coming, mm-hmm. and most people rip out their credit cards, you know, and, and oh, I love this, and uh, John will love that shirt, and... You know, I can't I, not get so and so this and this. Yeah, and if he buys, if he likes a shirt, I should buy him a tie to go with the shirt. And oh, that belt will look good with the tie and the shirt. And all of a sudden, you're spending three hundred dollars where you plan to spend one hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. So just like having a budget for your lifestyle, you need to have budget for these events as well. And if you don't have a budget or you're not clear on what you're spending, if you're sitting, are we spending too much or are we spending too little? To me, that's a warning sign. Well, that itself is a is the second warning sign. Just you knowing or answering that question, I have no clue what my budget is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So sometimes we have introductory calls with uh, new clients, and and one of those questions that will come up is, "Hey, do you have a sense of how much you need to spend, or what's your budget?" And and I have a lot of people that they they look at me sheepishly, and they're like, "Well, I know I probably should, but I don't." Yeah, but I don't. You know, and and that itself is a a warning sign uh, for lots of reasons, but in particular for retirement planning. If I said, if if you said to me, "Hey Gabe, can you help me map out my road trip um, with directions and where I should go and how much gas I need and how much food I should have in the car," and then I said, "Okay, great. Uh, where are you going?" and you look at me like, "Well, we're not uh, sure. We're not really sure know. where we're going, right?" Maybe we'll go here. That would be hard to plan for. Definitely. Right. So, so that's kind of the idea with your retirement. If you don't have that budget, then you can't predict what you're going to need to spend in retirement. And so how are you planning for how much you need to have saved for income in the future if you don't have a clue of what that amount might be? Exactly, exactly. And it is surprising how many people, you know, we have clients that are very detailed and have spreadsheets and they track everything. But most of our, not most, but many of our clients or people that we meet when it comes to budget, it's this kind of estimate. Well, and then we give them. I know you you do this too. We give them a budget and say, "Hey, let's just confirm these expense numbers," and they go home do a budget. And what do they come back with, Gabriel? Always different. Always. Always. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now it makes a lot of sense because if you if you know you have enough coming in while you're working, and you're saving in your four hundred one k et cetera, and you're kind of like, okay, I'm saving. I can spend the rest. You know, as long as I'm not spending more than I've got coming in, I'm good. And what do I need a budget for? Right, so it, it logically kind of makes sense, but as you think ahead to the future, when you're on a uh, a different amount of income source, right, a different kind of income source from your own investments versus new money coming in from a salary, very very different. Something to pay attention to. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to go with another warning indicator, Mister Liu? Yeah. So th- the one I liked here that you wrote, Gabriel, was a lot of folks come in and saying, "Well, I'm aiming." to have a million dollars or two million dollars at retirement and they've got this number you know like the ad say what's your retirement number Mm -hmm. you know you should have a million you should have two you should have three which begs the question because how much money you have isn't the problem in retirement the number one concern in retirement is how much income can I get from my money not how much money do I have Mm -hmm. The two are very closely linked. They're linked. But the idea behind having a certain amount of money saved is typically because you need that money to generate income from it. So if you have a more efficient way of generating income, then you actually don't need that much money. You might need, 
instead of two million, you might need a million and a half. Mm-hmm. So it's how do you get your income in retirement that really drives retirement, not how much money do I need? Correct. Correct. Right. Yep. Okay. That's a it's a simpler one. It's just getting us trying to change your perspective from dollar amount target to a more of a planning based mindset of determining how much income you need, which of course piggybacks on budgets and some of the other things we talked about, um, but a very different approach to thinking ahead of the future. Yeah, it's a headset. And, mm-hmm. and, and just to beat a dead horse here is, uh, you know, when I when we sit with clients and a lot of clients come in and say, you know, and they're potential clients and they're focused on growth. Well, how did you guys do in the market? And, you know, what is your investment style? And all of that's important. But we always wind up saying, you know, you've kind of got the cart before the horse here because growth is important, but what's more important than growth is your income. Mm-hmm. So it, when, once you change your focus, then then things fall in, then you, your decisions are better. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to do one more here because we have a couple listener questions, so okay. I don't want to steal their thunder too much. I want to give us some time to make sure we answer those. Uh, another warning sign for me or indicator, a little light on your dashboard would be, you know, I sometimes will talk to clients and uh, new clients and we're getting to know each other. And I say, do you have any uh, Roth IRA funds, mm. uh, anything tax free? And, and they think for a second, they say, no, I, I don't. Or, oh, I've got, I put the three grand in a Roth IRA once a while ago, uh, but that's it. So, so the warning indicator is you look at your own portfolio and you, and you assess that, uh, wow, I've got zero dollars in my portfolio that's going to generate me tax-free income in retirement. And what is why is that a warning indicator, Mr. Lou? Well, if you have listened to Mr. Lou for the past <laughs> seven years, he is absolutely convinced, the economist in him is convinced, taxes are going to go up in the future. So if they do, which I think they will maybe maybe not in three years, but 10, 15, 20 years, especially for your kids, having money in that tax-free bucket is absolutely something that needs to be considered. Why isn't it there? And if it isn't there, how do you get it there? Well, and I think a lot of people just, I don't know, it just somehow, somehow skates by, right? And just, they don't, they don't put a lot of thought to it, or they just don't realize they have the option, or they aren't sure quite how it works, or if it's really a good idea or a bad idea. So, Or they, the, or they are doing it, but doing it quite simply, you know, very, you say, you know, oh, I'm going to do 10 grand this year, and it's going to take them uh, 100 years to get all their money into the tax-free bucket. So they don't know how to do it. Yeah. So the, the warning light is if you have no tax-free income, you have what we call very uh, poor tax diversification, which means in retirement, it's, it's a really good idea to have money in the three different tax buckets, which are tax-deferred, taxable, and tax-free. And all are taxed a little differently. And we call that tax diversification. And so if you have, uh, the other warning indicator would be you have no money outside of any IRAs or 401ks also, right? That's called your taxable bucket because all of these buckets have different ways that they can work in your time horizons and your planning and your withdrawals that, you know, you can take advantage of some of the different tax brackets and tax rules associated with those different accounts, which you can't do if it's all just in the tax deferred 401k. That's so we correct. call that tax diversification. So the warning signal is that you have no tax diversification, and it's something that uh, we want to take a look at. Yeah, so pretty pretty neat if uh, we really did have lights that went <laughs> off for us. You know, hey, you got a problem here, you got a problem here, you got uh, a problem there. 
Yeah, and then yeah. like me with my car tire indicator, a lot of people and just then ignore don't, them. don't pay any attention. <laughs> Which you don't want to do. I'm, I am going to get it fixed, actually. i got to take the car to the shop, and I know they're going to fix it for me. Mm, we'll see. All right, so we've got two listener questions lined up for you here today that have come in over some of the prior weeks. And uh, thanks for your patience, folks out there, as we've uh, waited to talk about them here on the show. And so our first is uh, from Art. Art said, hey, Gabe and Steve, uh, I like your show. Thanks for... Uh, taking the time to do it each week. Appreciate that, Art. Uh, and you mentioned that you've been an aggressive investor and you like to see your money grow, but you're you're wondering, at what age am I supposed to get conservative? Hmm. Well, uh, I, I, well, Art, there isn't an age. Uh, you know, you might be aggressive for the rest of your life. The real question to me is, can you afford to be your aggressive and what are the goals for your money. So once you retire, this is what we were talking about before, Gabriel, once you retire, growth isn't necessarily the number one priority. Mm-hmm. You know, it becomes income. Now, to get income, you may need to be more conservative. However, if you set up your income in uh, like a bucket plan, rather than just putting your money in the market and taking it out, uh, there are parts of that plan which could be very aggressive and parts which could be very conservative because your income is being taken care of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I- exactly. And Art, I think it, it, there are so many factors into that. But uh, if I were to give a, a general age, it's usually w- right around when you're going to retire, assuming you're retiring in that sort of normal age band of 60 to 65. Mm-hmm. If you're retiring at 50, it's actually you don't want to get too conservative too soon. There's a different issue if you retire young because of how long your money needs to last. Uh, but it is highly dependent on uh, a number of specifics. Yeah, and, and also stay in touch with your own psyche. You know, some people, as they get older, just get more conservative. And, yeah. and there's no rule that says you have to be aggressive because you were, as a younger person, you were very aggressive, and now you kind of want things a little simpler, or you don't want to worry about it, or it doesn't mean that much to you anymore. Yeah, but, but Art, you might want to consider de-risking, we call it de-risking, some of your money to more conservative options that you identify that you know you're going to need for income in the next five to ten years. Okay, so that's another way to approach it as well. Yeah, the other thought, Gabriel, just to add on to that, is that there are options today which you can get some pretty good growth that are very conservative, whereas mm-hmm. those options weren't available 15 years ago or yep. 20 years ago. Exactly. Uh, the other one here, I, I've got another question from, from Ellen, and Ellen, I hope it's okay with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save your question till our next show, and the reason for that is I don't want to run out of time, and I think there, it warrants a... Uh, a more deeper dive discussion. So uh, stay tuned on that one, okay? And we're going to circle back to that on the next show. Okay. Well, folks, thanks so much for tuning in to us here today on Our Two Cents. Uh, we so much appreciate uh, your listenership. Uh, many of you have mentioned you've you've shared the show with some of your friends and relatives and family members. Thank you so much. Uh, we uh, we take that as a very uh, high badge of honor, and we, we appreciate that. Echo for me. And if you have any questions, of course, as always, call us here, 847-499-3330, or go to sglfinancial.com. You can also write us an email at info at sglfinancial.com. That's how we get many of our questions. Just jot a quick email note to us, and we'll see about answering it on the next show. Meanwhile, stay well, and we will talk to you. Is next week November? Yeah. It is, right? We'll talk to you in November. And then we have an election coming up. Yeah. 
Oh boy, pretty exciting times. Maybe we'll talk about that. One, well, the financial impacts of that on one of our upcoming uh, for sure. shows for sure. Thanks. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. Stay well, everybody. Thanks for listening to Our Two Cents with Steve and Gabriel Lewitt. For any questions about your finances, give SGL a call at 847-499-3330 or visit us on the web at sglfinancial.com. And be sure to subscribe to join us on next week's episode. Investment advisory services are offered through SGL Financial LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance and other financial products are offered separately through individually licensed and appointed agents.